welcome to SlaterPod uh, on this Friday the 13th. And what a week it has been. Hi, uh, Esther. Hi, Florian. All right. So um, it's been a very busy week, a very tough week for everybody, for the entire industry, for, uh, for obviously the economy at large, for literally everybody almost uh, on, you know, in Europe and the United States. As the coronavirus continues to you know, spread and, uh, and travel bans are announced and everything. So we had to make a very tough decision this week as well. We had to actually postpone uh, SlaterCon London. It was originally scheduled for early May, but now we uh, managed to uh, find a solution with the hotel to move it to September, early September. And of course, like everybody else, we're hoping that by that time, uh, things will have calmed down and travel restrictions will have been lifted. I was actually very touched by the uh, very understanding uh, comments and encouraging comments I got from uh, the speakers, the panelists, uh, and uh, and the sponsors, of course, and the participants. So everybody understands the decision and uh, has been very supportive and kind. So we'd like mm -hmm. to take this opportunity also to uh, to thank them. How are things in London, uh, Esther, at the moment? Yeah, a bit mixed. Um... I mean, I think we're stepping up on the social distancing thing. It seems like more workplaces are encouraging people to work from home. Um, some are kind of closing because maybe someone there has caught, um, been tested positive. Um, so I, I think obviously the government is still issuing different advice and stepping up um, the level of risk from low to moderate and, and, and things like that. I guess it's quite similar elsewhere across Europe as well. I mean, we haven't taken the same kind of measures that you're seeing in Italy or anything like that. But I think they have said potentially closures of schools might follow. And that hasn't happened here yet. But I know you were saying in Switzerland. Yeah, it's coming. School, school closures. I think they're going to yeah. announce it today. So, yeah, I'm probably I will have to work from home next week. Make sure that uh, maybe my kids are going to be running in the background uh, when we're taping this the next time around. So it can be special guests. <laughs> special guests, indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what we did, um, uh, and this is going to be a slightly shorter podcast because uh, it's been, uh, as I said, a very uh, difficult and, uh, and busy week. So we're, we're uh, just going to review a, a feature article, a news article we, we published a few hours ago around uh, the coronavirus and the impact it's having on the language industry and all the different stakeholders. Uh, thanks a lot to all the people that contributed their uh, input to it. So we've really seen a major, um, I mean, everybody's being disrupted to one degree mm -hmm. or another in, in you know, Europe and the United States. Um, and there's a, if you could categorize in two broad buckets, it's really the interpreters and every, anybody that's uh, relying on on-site that's, you know, really mm -hmm. being disrupted. Uh, we spoke to Alexander Gonsmeyer, uh, you know, one of the co-hosts of the Troublesome Terps podcast and, and the professional conferencing, uh, conference interpreter you know, and he's saying it used to be the busy season in, in, in March and now everything's been canceled. And uh, so he's doing a few board meetings here and there. But it's uh, it's uh, it's been a tough, uh, tough situation for the past couple and of he, weeks. He's based where in, in I think Germany? He's in Germany. Yeah, I think he's based okay. in Munich and they've already uh, stepped up measures there as well. So, uh, you know, generally, when you're looking at the interpreting space, anything that's uh, related to conferences, obviously, is really um, is really hard hit. And interesting, Alexander told us that, you know, a lot of the uh, organizers are uh, trying to use the force majeure clause uh, to yeah. avoid paying any cancellation fees. Uh, mm -hmm. And so there's a tough negotiation part uh, in this with the, with the conference interpreters and interpreters generally. 
So a lot of the federations like the, you know, BDU, the, the FIT, the ATA, they're uh, stepping up the advocacy uh, for, yeah. for these uh, groups that are hard hit and uh, really commend them on that. Um, then, of course, on the remote side, we also spoke to Boost Lingo, who, you know, they're doing, they have an app. So they're in the hospital sector, in the healthcare sector as well, uh, particularly in the U.S., and they're saying that um, you know they're seeing a move away from on-site interpreting to really t- to the you know app-based virtual uh, VRI. And anybody who's already uh, set up uh, for VRI is is, uh, is getting very busy uh, at the moment. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then we um, also spoke to a couple LSPs. We spoke to Suma Lingua, the Polish LSP. So they've gone full remote for the staff. Everybody, mm. you know, is working from home. So in this industry, generally, from when you're looking from the translation side, uh, as we you know discussed last time, it's it's already quite well set up for for going remote. Uh, so they've you know every everybody's working from home at the moment. On the client side. He said a lot of the there's actually kind of a spike in demand uh, for like coronavirus policies and communication. Yeah, obviously yeah. that's not a, a sustainable boost, but I've heard that from a, a few other people as well that this week was very busy with like translating these types of policies and and guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris from from Suma, the, the CEO, he also on the negative uh, side, he said that a lot of product releases on the IT side were put on hold. Mm. Uh, localizations okay. on hold, some multimedia, some e-learning is saying has really slowed down. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which parts from the clients are going to hold up. And uh, it was very tough for us to ascertain that even in media, we didn't really get a clear picture. You know, you would think, okay, Netflix and everybody stays at home and watches, but there's disruption there yeah. as well. Uh, the CEO of SDI Media told us that... Um, you know, for they're, they're disinfecting the studios, but at, and, and and making sure it's it's safe for work. But you know, if there's other travel restrictions that people can't come into the studios, then there's an operational uh, hiccup there. Interestingly, mm-hmm. he said they actually had some dubbing uh, done in in Hong Kong, uh, where people had to dub uh, using face masks, and he said the quality <laughs> the quality was uh, was not impacted too too badly. So that was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, just to what? Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to jump in and say um, on the kind of dubbing media side. I mean, it actually looks like K- Keyword Studios was doing reasonably well, um, and obviously they're gaming focused. Mm. So I compared to I know we we, we did a chart there of, of some of the listed LSPs and how they're performing um, compared to the benchmark. And Keywords is actually one of the ones which was performing better than the the benchmark since this is all hit so yeah i have maybe a uh, another take on this um when you yeah because i was looking at that we looked at about eight or nine companies that are listed you know it's mm. kind of as good a proxy as anything but what i think this is not vertical driven it's not driven necessarily by the verticals these companies serve but in a crash mm-hmm. like we've had this week a stock market crash it might actually come down to strength of your balance sheet Right. If you're looking mm-hmm. at the players that actually outperformed the benchmark, this is RWS, Appen, Keyword Studios, and SDL. SDL. Uh, those yeah. are companies with um, overall probably fairly, you know, strong balance sheets. And then on the on the mm. you had Honiaku, Straker, uh, Zoo, and Rosetta. I mean, I'm not intimately familiar with their balance sheet, but basically the large players seem to be doing better than the smaller ones because right yeah. now is the time when you want to have a strong balance sheet and and sit on some cash. <clears throat> and so maybe it's more to do with that. But what's encouraging is that 
the large LSPs outperformed um, the benchmark. Outperform meaning it mm-hmm. didn't they didn't fall as much as the large yeah. ones, right? So it's not outperforming in terms of gaining, but uh, there hasn't been any crash in shares of SDL or RWS compared to you know the 25% down that we've had over the past uh, couple of weeks uh, for the benchmark. So again, it comes down to strength and balance sheet. I think I've been really struggling to find. Uh, to make sense of right now of yeah which which verticals are going to get hit the most by this and uh, and and then how this is going to ripple across the industry i think we're going to have a lot more uh, a lot clearer picture in the next four to four to six weeks on that and obviously we'll we'll mm. be following up on that with with our uh with our coverage so again i encourage everybody to go to the website and uh and look at that uh, piece and read it it's it's really interesting lots of voices in there um so let's not do an entire corona podcast we actually had a very <laughs> interesting story because th- it will pass it sh- this shall pass and uh and then things will go back to normal and then we uh you know the the, the problems and drivers of this industry will uh, likely remain the same so we had a very very interesting uh, buyer feature with fisher investments mm. something that you or yeah. i are probably very familiar with because we both come from the financial translation side so tell me a little bit about that yeah it was a uh so buy a feature with wealth and asset management firm Fisher Investments. So their localization manager who's based in London, Celia Plowright, she told us a bit about their localization operations. Um, they localize into 13 languages at the moment. So predominantly all the European languages plus also Korean simplified and um, traditional Chinese as well as Japanese. And mainly what they're what they're translating, localizing is um, documentation for client events, also videos and internal communications, some educational materials for for customers as well. Um, and so the localization team at Fisher sits under corporate mm-hmm. services. It's part of um, I think the content and communications team, which is under corporate services um, but obviously collaborates across function with marketing etc as you would expect they have a seven person team in-house so relatively small but um, they also do so they have translators as part of that seven person team five internal translators one project manager and one marketing manager Um, and it seems like this was a a concerted effort really to start to insource quite a lot more of the localization and language work than than had been happening previously so since about mid 2018 they they ramped up the the team operations and they actually shifted from being about 70 percent outsourced on the language tasks to now being more i think along the lines of 30 to 45 percent outsourced that's quite quite a big shift um, in, in operating model and they do that with a, a TMS and then for the rest of the work they are also um, outsourcing to some um, multilingual vendors some LSPs and some freelancers um, so an interesting sort of setup and an interesting transformation I suppose of their of their localization operations um, inside at Fisher. Yeah I was struck by how professional and well thought out this was mm. right because I used to a lot of my clients uh, were from the financial space but of course that was you know five ten years ago but it was mm. a lot more like okay here's my inbox I'll send you the file um, right and and they seem to I mean well not seem to they have a really uh, kind of mature process set up at Fisher 
Um, so mm. I, I was really impressed by that. And, you know, this is also a, a testament to how far a, a lot of buyers have come over the past five years in this, in this journey That's right, yeah. towards maturity. Yeah, it, it was interesting as well. And they were talking about having tested sort of slightly different ideas. So, for example, I think at one point they were playing around with the idea of having translators actually doing some project management tasks as well to see how that worked out. But actually it wasn't scalable mm-hmm. when volume started to increase it wasn't particularly scalable as a model so they've changed that around to having one dedicated pm for the team Um, and they say it kind of falls into line with a wider company philosophy which is one of labor specialization so actually focusing on the task that you're supposed to be doing your expertise great great Again, encourage everybody to go and check this out. And then we, we had a few other stories this week. There's just one I want to touch on before wrapping up. Um, today was the, another monster contract uh, for police interpreting in the UK. And looks like they've learned from the past because uh, one interesting, uh, what I mean by learning from the past is, you know, we all remember the, uh, we spoke about a couple of times, the problems they had with these giant interpreting contracts in the UK before. And now they, the, mm-hmm. that uh, Leicestershire police, they introduced something called dynamic purchasing system. So they have this giant framework contract, but apparently you can join it, you can apply to join it throughout. So it's not like an initial vetting stage and then you either okay. are on it or you're not, but basically... And then you have to wait four years before getting another shot or something. Exactly. No, so you can, okay. you can basically always apply to be on it. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting new approach I really haven't seen yet, uh, but not that I'm yeah. looking at all the language industry contracts, but uh, it seems like uh, something that we'll, we'll watch out for. Again, the numbers are so large. I mean, it's this is 100 million pounds. Uh, granted, it's an, an eight-year contract, but those are those are big contracts. So... Uh, over eight years, okay. Over eight years, yeah. probably the big word's going to snap up some of that. And, uh, you know, we did cover their results this week as well. Uh, I think they yeah. had a, a good year in terms of revenue growth, fairly flat on the on the profitability. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's that. So as I said, it's going to be slightly uh, shorter podcast. We'll be back with uh, uh, the usual half an hour uh, next week. So uh, thanks a lot for dialing in and checking in and listening to this. And uh, thanks to Esther. Thanks. Stay See safe. you next week. Take care. Bye. bye. <laughs>